0: Hello and welcome to The Junction. Boy, do we have a great show for you today. Today we have Shiloh Salazar. She is a former candidate for Howard County Commissioner, one of the seats there, and former leader of the Young Democrats, and Nolan Dominguez, also a leader of the Young Republicans, but now the chairman of the Republican Party for Howard County. We have a great conversation just about politics how we can find common ground and i think you'll get a lot out of it um it, it was just encouraging to hear how people can get along so buckle up welcome to the junction i really appreciate you guys coming on um and am I'm, I'm excited about uh this episode specifically because um you my guest and i you, we just heard the intro uh Nolan Dominguez, you are a real estate agent, and you are the chairman of the Republican Party in Howard County, and you're a, the, of the ripe old age of 21. That's very <laughs> impressive, sir. Yeah, Welcome. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you for having me. Um,
0: and then my my equal and awesome guest is uh, Shiloh Salazar, formerly the der- leader of the Young Democrats, and Nolan as well was the Young Republicans leader. I don't know. Did you like let that go as you moved on up or something? Yeah, I kind of
1: had to, as I, as I got busier with uh, uh, my life as a student at Howard college and, and, you know, doing my real estate courses uh, that yeah. kind of took a back seat And and then of course, everybody else that was a part of the club moved on to, you know, universities sure. and things like that. So
0: yeah, it had, to, right. it fizzled out, unfortunately. Gotcha. And then Shiloh, um, so you were formerly the leader of the Young Democrats uh, here yeah. in Howard County. And and um, I'm also going to plug you here for something that, that I think is really cool that you just kind of got going. Sophie's Sophia's Forest? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, Sophia's and, Forest. And tell, tell me a little bit about that.
2: It's a wooden toy company, um, primarily for um, your occupational needs so okay. stacking puzzles um balance beams working on motor skills those kinds of things my little one has um sensory processing disorder okay. where her senses don't process like ours and she constantly needs input mm-hmm. while also having issues with motor issues and those kinds of things um more on spectrum with autism okay. so it was kind of costly always buying new toys to meet those new goals that we had set up. And I was like, I've got extra wood. Why don't I just make these things? So we're kind of doing that. Um, We make toys for everybody kind of, you know, just kind of helping parents along. And then we also plant two trees all over like the world with one tree planted for every purchase that we have. So trying to give back a little bit.
0: Well, I I think that's really neat. I, I just in researching I'm doing air quotes for for the (laughs) listeners, uh, researching you a little bit and and getting to know you via Facebook. Uh, I've seen you about, uh, you know, over the, over the, the interwebs, the Facebook land here in, in our, our local community. For those of you listening, we're in Big Spring, Texas, uh, the big, uh, sprawling metropolis of Big Spring. Um, and you know, um, stumbled across that. And I think that's really cool what you're doing and your stuff's really cool by the way as well. It's, it's really neat. Well, thanks. Um, so, so thank you guys for coming on. Um, I want to say this right off the bat. So the idea for this episode and, and really the podcast in general is kind of bringing people together and us finding how we're more similar than we are different. And I, I think we've really lost that in our in our country, especially, I don't know if the world has lost that as much, but I think America is really, if we're, if we're being fair to our country, we're still a young country. We're very young still. And, um, comparatively to, you know, to Europe, especially in other places. Um, but so we're still kind of finding our way, I I believe. And and we're just going through a tumultuous time, I, I would say. And, Um, I'm really hopeful because I see people like you who are are younger and um, your attitudes that I've just seen uh, where I can see them, which is social media, are not what we're seeing prevalent in our our, uh, mainstream media or on social media. And I really appreciate that. So the goal of today is for us to just kind of talk. I haven't written down a lot of notes, so hopefully this thing won't be completely dull and boring and and I'll, I'll try to ask questions that aren't stupid. And, um, you know, but, but ultimately I I hope by the end of this, people who listen can kind of have some more hope that there's young, young people, young, young adults out there that, um, don't seem to have bought into what's going on in, in this country. And I'll just say it on both sides. Um, Full disclosure, and I'm going to stop talking. I promise. I invited y'all on to watch me talk <laughs> for 45 minutes. Um, I've, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. I claim I'm an independent person, and I don't know if I really am. The last, the last four years have been tough for me, and have probably pushed me a little more left than than I was previously. Um, but, but I try to be, and I claim to be independent. And some of my friends who are conservative would go, yeah, dude, you're a liberal man. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. So I just want to say that right off the bat. Um, and Nolan, you are, you're a conservative, you're a Republican, you're obviously the, the chairman of the Republican party. And I'll let, I'll kind of go to you first. What is it about, what is it about the right, the Republican party that is, is your, is your, your thing, man? What's it, what is it for you that, that causes your feet to be planted into, in into that party?
1: Uh, partly because of the, the way I was raised, a blue collar family. My dad works at the refinery here in big spring. Um, that has a lot to do with it. Um, and, uh, conservatively, uh, fiscally, uh, conservative, I would say, you know, uh, more, uh, Sensible money-wise, you know, uh, not spending things on, uh, or not spending money on things that, uh, are kind of unnecessary, uh, not saying that, you know, the other side spends things on unnecessary, or spends money on unnecessary things, but, uh, you do see, sure. because you're seeing right now in national politics that both of them have a spending problem right now. So I think that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're seeing that all the way down to, uh, uh you know county government and even uh you know m- municipalities and city governments it's uh everybody spending money that we seemingly don't have <laughs> and so i, I think that uh, being fiscally responsible is is a big part of of the party platform and uh you know like i said we may have lost sight of that a, a little bit ago but uh, uh that's a big part of it uh and i'm i'm you know i go back and forth i'm i'm a younger Conservatives, so obviously, um, conservatives, uh, mm-hmm. Republicans that are you know, sixty five and older, um, they may see you know, uh, social issues a little differently than I do because I was raised in a you know a more yeah. progressive era. Uh, so it's that's yeah. that's a hard balance to find sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when uh, Obama was president and uh, you know, there was the big, uh, gay rights issue and things like that. For me, that wasn't a big, uh, uh issue, but, uh, for older conservatives, that seemed to be a, a huge issue. Um, and that's just kind of the, there's a sure. difference there. And so I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of a, um, of a gap between the older conservatives and the younger conservatives that the younger conservatives are, I you know, hopefully, uh, you know, socially, um, a little more accepting and realizing that you know what that's uh, just as much as I don't want people telling me what to do with my guns I shouldn't be telling people what to do uh you know who to marry sure. kind of thing so uh, and, and so yeah, right I know that's a, a younger conservative view not so much a older conservative view but um, that's just kind of where I stand on it so <laughs>
0: Well, I would I would go so far to say that's probably just a a younger older kind of even even on the left I would say in some in some ways I bet and especially maybe people here that um, are are older that maybe Democrats you know the, yes, some of the social definitely. stuff is probably still like I don't know about that you know gay stuff or whatever. Um, so Shiloh, I'll kind of go to you. What's for you? What you know? You've you've run as a Democrat in this. You ran for uh, county commissioner. Um, in in yes. what i would argue is one of the reddest counties in the state of texas so that's a difficult you know you, you, when i asked you that if you if i rem- saw that right if that was actually you you said yes and i lost i don't think that's something to be like hang your head too <laughs> low exactly, about yeah. i don't know many democrats that, that honestly are going to win many uh, races in our, in our County. It's just very red. It just, that's the facts, Jack, you know, so, but you did, you you ran as a Democrat for County commissioner. What is it for you that, um, that the, the democratic party, uh, I I don't know how you would classify, are are you a liberal? Are you progressive? Are you a moderate Democrat? What is it about being a Democrat for you that does it?
2: I am more of an independent, like kind of like yourself. Um, i have a couple of more conservative views than my more progressive friends would like (laughs) i'm definitely not the aoc bernie you know like everyone would like me to be um but let's go back to my race first real quick i just want to touch on that one um it was unsuccessful but at the same time it was really successful Uh um my district typically only has two 300 voters And this round, we had almost 2,000 voters. Um, So we we pulled people out, whether, you know, it was to vote against me or not. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm really proud that we had such a great turnout because Howard County historically only turns out about 2,000 people in these kinds of races, including when a presidential race is happening. Mm -hmm. So for our one precinct to turn out that many people, we did something, whether it be, your hate for a Democrat or, you know, your love for a Republican, (laughs) we did something. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, But to go back to your original question, I was raised very Republican, uh, Uh very, very, very conservative Republican. Um, Funny enough to that, my dad is actually has been part of the union for the prison here, um, the BOP, most of my life. So for a Republican to be a part of the union, kind of iffy. <laughs> but um actually when I first asked my dad about politics he said, "Well, Republicans work for everything they have and Democrats are handed out everything. You want to be a Republican." So growing up I was like, "Yeah, we're going to work for everything we've got. I'm a Republican." And then I got to high school and I was like, I asked too many questions. I'm not okay with status quo all the time. I want to know what we could be doing better. I want to know that we can progress enough to fix problems that we're seeing in any kind of system. And that's kind of where it opened the door for me of I'm not one side or the other. I want to ask questions. I want to see for myself what we can fix. And for me, classifying as just a Republican or just a Democrat kind of narrows your, your thinking to where you're in this box and you don't want to overset party lines. You Mm -hmm. don't want to, you know, burn those bridges because you are a little conservative in this or a little too progressive in that. So I would definitely consider myself an independent, but definitely more on the side of a progressive independent of, I want progress. I want to fix issues that we have and not so much as it's been working. It's not great, but it works. Let's keep it. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm, I'm at.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I love that. I think, I think both of you guys, I hear, I hear you both saying we're not. It's not like burn the house down to repu, rep, rep, um, protect my side. You know what I mean. And and I, I appreciate that. And so let me ask you guys this: um, national politics get a lot of the the, the headlines, obviously. Um, media right now is, I believe, you can still find truth out there, but you have to work way too hard for it. You have to listen mm-hmm. for all the crap and go. That's crap. I'm I'm going to dig through and wade through all that to see that what is actually the truth. Um, and, and and national politics is just easy to to get viewers uh, on or, or listeners. Um, what what's y'all's view of how what's going on right now?
1: So I, I think what we're seeing here is, um. Which you see often, maybe not as uh, extreme on national politics. You know, I've always heard uh, politics on the national stage is like uh, movie stardom for ugly people, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's great. like, what's, what's going to get the ratings? What's going to get me on Fox? What's going to get me on CNN? Yada,
0: yada, yada. <laughs> so good. Oh, my yeah. God. I can't get. I've heard that, but it's been a long time. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm not right I mean, there, it now. is. It okay, is. It's good. show
1: business for ugly people, man. So um, <laughs> I, I think what we're seeing is a, a little bit more of an extreme uh, for that uh, in in that sense of, um, you know, you had uh, Trump for four years who was, I mean, just extreme and loud and, and, and proud. And you know what I mean? Just out there, there was no getting away from Donald Trump. Um, and, and then there's a, a little bit of a reset, you know. So there's, okay, now we've got uh, President Biden, and it's a little more quiet, a little more tame, a lot more, you know, kind of putting things back at ease a little bit. Nobody's really up in arms about everything anymore. And, and it's just kind of calmed down. Uh, and, and that's just typical ebbs and flows, I think. I think that you see that a lot in just life in general. Yeah. You see a lot of ups and downs, and, and, mm-hmm. and then there's sort of this balance somewhere in between. And so I think that we, what we witnessed was one of those just super um, intense ups and, you know, and and now we're kind of coming back down and finding a little bit of a balance. I'm not sure uh, if, you know, some conservatives would want me to say that. um, But I'm, I'm the way that I think is that, um, you know, for so long and, and while I was getting into this, you know, when, when Trump was elected in 2016, that put me at 17 years old, 18. Uh, I couldn't even vote for the, in the last presidential election, yeah. you know, uh, prior to this one. And uh, yeah. so um, that's... That made me of, feel old, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, you know, when I started getting involved, we had already had Trump as a president for about a year. Um, so that's just kind of the the climate that I happened to jump into. Uh, whenever I started you know pursuing politics a little more and so like I said I think that the the climate right now whether it's uh, healthy or not in, in national politics I, I think it's part of the process either way.
0: <laughs> sure sure Shiloh what what are your what's your thoughts on it I, I'm I'm sure you have some similar thoughts but what are yours?
2: I have some similar ones. Um, I actually got involved in politics during 2010. I was a freshman in high school. Um, I did phone banking for President Obama. And then right after that, I don't know if you know Wendy Davis for Texas. Mm -hmm. um, I did phone banking for her and then Bernie, you know, kind of kind of going with it. So I've been in the political game for a while now, um, even, you know, back in high school. And it was always divisive, but it wasn't as frontal if you know what I mean um when I would call for uh now former President Obama you know back when he was just first running like hadn't even been president just yet I would call places and we would get some elderly people, some people in their 40s too and I would be yelled at you know like curse words and you know things probably not friendly to the show (laughs) but then they would just hang up and it, it wasn't that big of a deal after um, Trump first just announced running, I think that's kind of when people just got a little bit more comfortable with being who they are and being loud and, you know, being bold and saying what they think to where I'm still kind of getting it here and there, you know, being the, the lone Democrat in Big Spring. <laughs> um, but I think that it is calming back down. I think people are starting to realize that we do have more in common. Um, like, well, I'll just kind of bring in Biden's horrible policy on immigration. Um, you know, calling detention center, calling cages, detention centers out. It's horrible. Okay. I'm calling it out. It's horrible when Obama did it, when he first started the cages, when Trump continued the cages and now we're calling it a detention center, it's still horrible. Okay. And it kind of puts us on even ground to where, conservatives see that we are calling out these horrible things and that we you know we're not going to be quiet because it is just a we're party liners whatever and we're starting to get that normalcy back of we can be okay with each other the other issue is a lot of it people take the news as hard truth Kind of, I mean, yeah. we're in the Bible Belt. They take it as the Bible, okay? <laughs> they do. They, they're like, well, the news said this. And a lot of that people don't actually understand that when you have people um, like Tucker Carlson or whatever his name is and um, your, your, your host, okay, they do opinion pieces. That, that's their job is to give you their opinion on what's happening and not actually give you just the straight up facts to let you make your own opinion. And that's where I think a lot of education needs to come from, from us as Americans is understanding that when you're watching CNN, you're watching Fox, you're watching whatever, and you're watching a host that their name is on the show, you're watching their opinion. And don't take that as the hard fact. so that I don't come at Nolan and say, well, you know, Anderson Cooper said right. this, like, yeah. this is the truth. And I think that's kind of where we need to get that humility back and start kind of realizing that we're not always right
0: yeah i I agree i think um we're being led by voices that have agendas on both sides i think and and it's probably it's money you know it's money power fame and they they take a truth something that's a fact and then they're able to, to guide it to the left or guide it to the right to appease one side or the other um I, I, I definitely see, um, now it's my turn. Uh, (laughs) no, um, no, I, I think in my experience as my first election was 2000 and that was a doozy. I haven't had like a normal, I guess 2004 was a little more normal. It didn't, it wasn't controversial, but 2000 was crazy. You know, we had, we had a month of, uh, figuring out if Florida was going to go one way or the other and. Um, and then 2004, you know, John Kerry just probably wasn't the strongest candidate and George Bush had, had, you know, the nine 11 and the strong leadership. I I was a fan of, of GW. I still am. I think he's a good dude. I just don't know if he was a great, uh, politician necessarily or great, uh, you know, president doesn't, that doesn't even matter to me anymore. I, I think he's just a good man at the end of the day. Um, and then Obama comes in and I think Obama, started something. I think it brought an upheaval of some deep-seated stuff that we're all still struggling with in this country. And um, for me, Trump was a a master marketer and saw a window to insert himself and do do what he does best. And that's stir things up and get people stirred up. And it freaking worked. I will say this as well. I think Trump named some stuff, talked about stuff that people felt like they didn't have a voice in. The way he did it, I don't agree with whatsoever. But I think he was actually communicating and standing for some people that felt like, and I don't know if it's true that they didn't have a voice, but felt like they didn't have a voice. Um, I don't know if that's something that relates to y'all or if y'all understand what I'm saying. If you do, I'd love for you to chime in. But that's what I think Trump did, is he gave a voice to people that felt like they didn't have a voice. Um, Do y'all have any thoughts on that? Does that make sense?
2: Uh, our parents, and I mean, probably Nolan too, we grew up in the era where, you know, you keep your head down, you do your work, you don't ask a lot of questions. And I think that's where it just kind of got easy for me because I was raised headstrong. I was raised to ask all those questions. So for people that were raised, like my husband, who doesn't ask questions at a doctor's office, he just kind of goes in there, says, this is what hurts, and just takes the doctor's word for it, you know? It. yeah. yeah I, I'm the person that's like, are you sure? Like, did you get this, this, and this? Like, what's gonna happen, you know, with the medicine kind of thing? And so for <laughs> me, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of where I think we're at is Trump showed people that it's cool to ask questions. You know, it, it's good to get your opinion heard, that you don't just have to keep your head down. But then that also kind of brought out some of the ugly side of, people's, you know, biases of, you know, this is what we actually feel, which is, you know, not great that, you know, some people feel very ugly, but it's good that they were able to have that channel to know that it's okay to talk. I mean, my husband wasn't a Trump fan, but he is way more conservative than myself. And Mm -hmm. watching this era that we, you know, we've had, it's got him to ask more questions, which is, you know, insane for my husband because now he's asking questions in the doctor's office. Now he's asking me (laughs) questions about politics, which he never would have done. So I do think Trump had some good qualities, a lot, you know, more than more than most Democrats would be willing to say, but he definitely did give people a voice.
1: I think so too. I, I I'm kind of right there with you, Shiloh, on in the sense that and you too, Zach. Uh, he gave a voice, which politicians usually do, you know, people probably felt that Barack Obama gave a voice to a lot of people that felt like they didn't have one either, you know, uh, I think yeah. everybody's got their, got their uh, president that they kind of um, see themselves in. And so I, I and, and, and that's why you elect one, right? Uh, you kind of, you say this guy, you know, kind of fits my, my, uh you know, my way of thinking. And so I'm just going to go, you know, one side or the other, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I think that uh, Trump did give a lot of people a, a good uh, platform. And uh, like you said, Shiloh, maybe not expressing it in the best way, but, uh, you know, at least that it's getting out there, you know, uh, I, I think it was yeah. a, it was a, you, you take the good with the bad, you say, uh, you know, this could have been done better. and And you do that with either party, this could have been done better. Uh, you do that in, in looking at your teacher you know one day I want to be a teacher or something like that and and you say well I love the way this teacher did this but I don't like the way this teacher you know did that and and you and then you kind of its same with like your parents you're like I like the way my dad did this and my mom was a stickler you know and and it's just kind of like uh you do that mm-hmm, yeah. the same with a with a president and you're like I really like the way they did that and I really like the way this other one did this uh I wish there was a you know a a platform, I guess, that I could vote along in, in that sense. Uh, and it's becoming so, so, Mm -hmm. uh, party line. It's like, well, you, you just can't veer off from the Republican party. You just can't veer off from the democratic party. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's where it gets a little dangerous, I think, because, uh, you go back and you go back in, in politics historically and, you could, you know, uh, have a disagreement with somebody, but then you could go grab dinner afterward, you know, and, and just ignore it or or talk it out, whatever. It doesn't change the way that either you think, but at least you both understand where each other may be coming from. And, and that's something that you're just seeing kind of
0: less of, uh, right now. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I think, you know you think back on on Richard Nixon and him his not being impeached but basically he was going to be impeached and removed from office and that's why he resigned but the reason that happened is because republicans and democrats came together to go this is just wrong this he did something right. that was wrong and and as we've seen and you know, maybe y'all can kind of give your thoughts. I think Trump's definitely has a couple things in there that, you know, maybe, you know, we could probably debate them down a little bit, but, uh, but we're not debating, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, probably could have been impeached over. I think if the insurrection that happened on January 6th happened two years into the presidency, I think Trump you know, the impeachment, the grounds for not removing him from office after he was already out of office uh, would have probably happened, I think. I, 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 there seems to be there were grounds for that. And, you know, the party lines, though, now can't you can't the you can't leave your party line. You know, even the Democrats probably had some that were like, why are we doing this right now? He's gone. Yeah. He, he's out of office. Um, we, mm-hmm. we won. Biden won. Why are we doing this? But they probably felt pressure from their party, from their constituents, that if they didn't toe the party line, they're in trouble come two years from now or, or four years from now. And and I absolutely
1: ha- hate that, too, Zach. I mean, because – and I didn't mean to interrupt, so keep, no, keep that going. No, keep going. I just – I hate that uh, if a Republican feels one way, especially right now, um, they're a traitor to the party and to the platform. And, and you know what I mean? It's, it's very, yeah. uh, I think it's very toxic right now in the Republican party because now we're trying to find out who we are. We're trying to find out who we are without Trump. Right. Uh, and yeah. that's kind of, yeah. Where yeah. everybody's kind of, you know, ah, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, I knew who Nolan was before Trump and I'll know who Nolan is after Trump. That that's, uh, my yeah. belief, you know, and, uh, I think a lot of people right now in the Republican party are are still upset and and maybe they have a right to be, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel one way and and then I feel another way about, you know, the situation, but that's neither here nor there. What I know is that everybody and everything will keep moving forward (laughs) and I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm just going to keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. And, and I, 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 I agree with you. I think, um, the the Republican party right now is in a bit of a a mess and this has been my whole thing with Trump the whole time. It's not Republican. It's not like he's a Republican. It's not that (laughs) I, I, I also grew up in a Republican home. My parents are both Republicans. My dad is a diehard conservative. Um, and you know, uh, I don't know what he would have thought now, he passed away about five years ago, but I I don't know what he would have thought about the current state, but I know he would have said, Trump, the man, the person, the individual, ain't the kind of guy we want, you know, just as a person. And so I always would have a hard time trying to distinguish between that and people, you know, hearing me being a liberal bashing the Republican way of thinking. And and so I think you're right. The Republican Party is in a is in a a, a place of trying to figure out who they are now and who's going to be kind of the voice, because Trump came in and, and just kind of in my view. And you can you can you can kind of correct me if you feel like you need to. But Shanghai, the Republican Party into something that I don't think it ultimately is, if that makes sense. Um, I, does that make sense to you? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think uh what he did for the Republican Party in some aspects is um uh he may have you know he didn't really have an uh, agenda as far as uh, Obama did on the on the uh social issues uh gay rights and and uh trans rights and things like that. So I think mm-hmm. that he maybe expedited the Republican party you know twenty years in a in social issues since um, you know, because he didn't really, I think you're
0: right about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, we'll, we'll find out if that was good or bad. We don't have the foresight. I don't think Uh, we try to, um, but I I know that he (laughs) did expedite it in, in some ways. And in some ways, I think that, uh, we did get a little stagnant, but, um, like I said, that's the same with every president. Uh, It could have been a Democrat, Democratic president, and he would have expedited the Democratic Party, uh, you know, fifty years, and and he would have stayed still on some other issues over here, um, and so I, I think that yeah, yeah, I mean that's just the way I feel about uh, how the Republican Party is right now is, and that's why we're having such a hard time trying to find out who we are without Trump, right? Is like, well, he he made so much progress on yeah. this on yeah. this platform, but this platform still the same from when, uh, you know, Bush was in office. And you're kind of trying to find your medium there. Mm-hmm.
0: So Shiloh, for you, uh, you know, being being center left, I guess, um, what is it, what do you see kind of in, in the party as far as the, because the, there still seems to be a sense of, of struggle in the, on the Democratic side as well. Yeah. There's a wing that wants to really take things, very progressive, very left, the the AOC, the Bernie wing. Uh, I like Bernie Sanders. There's some things I just completely disagree with him on, but I think, and I, I'm going to get into this in a minute on, an, on another level, but I'll mention it. I think there's something to talking about what's going on in corporate America and the top. Um, I don't like vilifying rich people because I want to be a rich people someday, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely think, there's some stuff going on in 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 the stock market and in CEO world and big corporate world that is sinister on a certain level, and so
2: definitely I, definitely.
0: I love that about Bernie that that's just man that's been his 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 uh his drum for his many hill. many years. Yeah, that's the hill that he has planted flag on, and he, you can't get him off it, which is great. But but for for the Democratic Party, how do you see you know Biden? Biden kind of said, let me put the brakes on and I'm going to be in the middle guys. And I actually, I like that, but the state of the democratic party in your, in your view.
2: The democratic party has actually had its issues, you know, throughout the Obama era, throughout the Trump era. It's just not as noticeable because of the greater divide within the Republican party. Running as a Democrat myself and being a part of the Texas Young Democrats and being a part of our county party, also being a part of the state party, I see a lot of battles for power. Um, You've got your younger generation who is saying, you know, like, I'm just going to put this in perspective. I don't know if you went to Big Spring, but Nolan and I did. So Nolan and I had the chance to go to Howard College, we paid $50 if you kept your grades up, you know, you did all that in high school, you got that $50 Mm -hmm. back at the end of the year. Right. Mm -hmm. I graduated high school with one class short of having my associates. Okay. My husband graduated two years before me in 2012 at Kahoma. He got that same chance, but he was only offered three classes. That's all Kahoma would offer him. Mm -hmm. So the taxpayers were already paying for free college, but I was more able to take advantage of that because of where I lived, because I lived, you know, two blocks. Well, the high school is two blocks from the college yeah. rather than, you know, 14 minute drive from Kahoma. And so things like that, where the younger generation is saying, look, y'all, you're like, taxpayers are already paying for a free associates. It's just not equally distributed throughout if you live in a more rural area like sand springs forest San gahoma you're not getting that same chance the taxpayers are already paying for while the older generation is saying yeah no like that's too socialist for us I mean, we can't do that even yeah. though they are democrats so there is that power struggle of kind of like in the republican party like nolan was talking about at the very beginning of the episode where the older generation is saying, eh, that's a little too far. <laughs> and the yeah. younger generation is like, but we're already doing it at some point. So why not extend it? Like, why not make it, you know, equally fair for everybody to take advantage of that? Um, a lot of it also is, I don't know if y'all actually paid attention to the MJ Hagar race. Um, the state of Texas actually donated quite a bit of money to her race in the primaries, which you're not really, I mean, there's not a rule against it, but it's kind of a no, no for the institution to back a candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you don't pick your horse, you know, in the primaries, you, you pick them in, in the, in the generals. And so it was kind of a, a thing that is going on in the party where the money is still running things. The money is still winning um, I mean, not really winning because MJ lost by a landslide, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're they're picking their candidates well before it's time to pick a candidate and not letting, you know, everyone have a fair run at it. Um, you I know, guess you could make
0: hats. that argument even about with Bernie, I think, especially in the Clinton, um, yeah. there was a lot of people saying that the Democratic Party was like, no, we're not going to let him win, even though it seemed like the people wanted him to
2: yeah, nominee. Um. actually, so when that happened, I did a lot of research into, you know, how that could happen. And apparently, because the DNC and RNC are their own organizations, and they're not actually a government organization, as most people think, they actually can pick their own candidates, whether we pick somebody else or not. So yeah. if Bernie were to have won, you know, just by chance, actually have won that nomination, the party is the one who nominates them for the general election, and they could have gone back around that and said, "Actually, we wanted Bernie instead of Hillary, even though he lost." Because yeah. they are their own private institution, so yeah. I, it, it's a big power struggle of what the party's okay with. And to be honest, the Democratic Party is all about the money. Um, I think you know, I mean, they they all are. <laughs> They're all yeah, about
0: I, what, I what's going to
2: make them more so that's kind of where we're at with our party is the younger people that don't have money. Like myself, stay at home, mom, you know, trying to start up a small business is trying to say, Hey, look, like we want change and it's not about the money for us.
0: That, that kind of leads me to my, my next question. I'm going to, I'm just going to throw out some, some terms or some, I don't know, controversial things, but uh, some, some ideas and kind of get y'all's take. And I, I, I I'm interested to see how we all kind of, land here uh and this just popped into my head so it may not last long I, we'll see but like <laughs> so you you brought up money and politics um what when I say money in politics kind of and Shiloh I'll, I'll let you go first uh what are your thoughts on money in politics what what should happen Run, with, <laughs> with that
2: running my own campaign um you was hard was very very hard um so running for the county, it's a $750 filing fee just to get on the ballot. And then you have to get yourself out there. So the gas, uh, if you want papers to put on door hangers, if you want signs, if you want shirts, you know, all of that cost. And when you are a stay at home mom, one income, you know, it, it gets hard. So, you know, my, um, my incumbent, actually, you know, he's had his own business, he's, quite a bit older than myself. You know, he's been in politics for a while, so he has donors established. So it really wasn't hard for him to get out there and put himself out there like it was for me starting out and not having absolutely anything and relying on donations. And so money in politics is definitely an obstacle that I don't know how to fix, to be honest with you. I mean, nothing's free. Okay. Nothing is free. I get that. (laughs) But at the same time, can't have the money if you want decent representation. If you want that decent and that representation. kind of to Go be ahead.
0: more specific, so like campaign finance reform. And I think this may is probably more of an issue when it on the in not so much the local the local races because all of us that will or, or won't run here, you know, you may have a business owner that can put his own money to get signs out and it but it's not a on the grand scheme of thing, it's not this like insane amount of money necessarily. Um, it is isn't. it isn't, if that makes any sense. But when yeah. you get to, you know, whether it's state representatives, uh, state senators, congressmen, governors, the the bigger, so like president, I mean, I think I'm going to say a number and I may be making this up, but I know it was over a billion dollars was spent on this last presidential campaign. And that just blows oh, my definitely. mind. A bit over, I think it was like 1.4, maybe. I may be making that up. It could be like 200 million. Um, it wasn't, but I, I, I know it was insane. It was an insane amount of money. Um, but so it's more specifically Bloomberg, 200 40. million on its own. Yeah. 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 Um, but <laughs> so campaign finance, you know, they're, uh, I just totally blanked. The Supreme Court made a ruling, but basically saying we're corporations are are people and can just shovel in yep. money to, to candidates. And it's the Democratic Party is not like well, we don't do that. Yes you do. The you know both parties yeah, are like yeah, we'll we'll take your money.
2: I think that's kind of where I was trying to get at, a long way around it. Um was trying to <clears> get at <throat> that. I was going to kind of reference Cory Bush. I don't know if you know her. Um she's a nurse. Um you know, single single person doesn't have a lot of money. Just ran for Congress, just got elected as a representative, Missouri. And it right? kind of was the same thing. Yes, yeah. um, she had she had to you know do the the grassroots. She didn't have corporations looking at her at first, and she was going against you know a long term um, incumbent to where you know their their name was already known. And that's kind of where I was getting at as even at a local level, it's the same at a state national level of if you want new blood, you've got to get rid of the money. You've got to get rid of the money because if as soon as you get your foot in that door and you get established, it's a lot easier for you and you may not be the actual people's choice, but you had enough money to where you were pretty much the only choice that they really had. You're able
0: to drown out every other voice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Nolan, what do you think, man? What's your thoughts on, on kind of campaign finance reform? Does it need to happen or where are you, where are you on that?
1: Oh yeah. I definitely think it, it needs to happen. Uh, I, I don't like my own party, you know, taking money from corporations and voting on things that, uh, you know, come up for a vote and, uh, you, you understand exactly why they voted yes or no on a certain bill and things like that. Um, And it's it's I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think that obviously you were elected to represent a constituency, not a corporation. So that's kind of where I lie on the subject. And is it's I I think it needs to something needs to happen. I don't know what kind of like Shiloh said. I know it needs to happen. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. Um, But that's something that hopefully in the future, you know, a generation like ours can can look at and say, well, this isn't going to fix it entirely, but here's here's a step forward, you know?
0: Yeah, it, it, and so I'm going to go to my next kind of subject, and it will be very, very raw for us, especially uh, those of us who live in Texas, okay? Um, we just ex- experienced a week um, that was very brutal for some, for a lot – Actually, not for some, for almost everyone. We yeah, were lucky soon. here at our too house. Soon. Yeah, is it too soon? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why our house. I, you know, my my brother and sister in law live over by the mall. They live on across from the mall. There's a, a street. I can't think of the name of it, but they're on the grid with the water treatment plant, and so they never lost electricity. Uh, we live out here in Kahoma and for whatever reason, our neighborhood, our house. I don't know if it was because we're on the same grid as Cahoma schools. I I don't know, but we never lost electricity. I actually do think there's a little water. The Quill Dobbs water tank is right down the road from us. And I think maybe we're on the same grid as that. And so we didn't lose electricity, but we we didn't have water. But there were millions and millions and millions of Texans that went almost a week, you know, for some without electricity in temperatures that we don't, (laughs) we don't know about down here. You know what I mean? Uh, the first time I've, I experienced single digits was in Denver, landing, landing there to go ski, getting out of the, walking out of the airport going, okay, this is what this is. You know, that, that, that was it for me <laughs> until this last week going out to feed my chickens and thinking, how are they living? It's so cold. So we we had a week of that because our power grid, was this close and I'm making the little inch sign with my fingers was this close to completely failing. I read an article that said it was minutes away from us being months, months without power. Um, Because if it reached that point, it would have just completely collapsed stuff, explodes, stuff, boom, 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 you know, and then they're having to repair and it takes months to do that. So my question is our state has kind of said, we're going to do this ourselves. We don't want anybody else telling us what to do, which I understand. I'm a Texan as well. Okay, I get that mindset. But regulation—what are y'all thoughts on regulation, Nolan? I'll let you go first this time. In, inside of that, I may be—I may be kind of teeing this up for shallow, and I'm sorry if I do, man. But but give me your thoughts on. Oh no!
2: Um... What we
0: <laughs> go ahead.
2: Zach, you're putting him at a real disadvantage because my <laughs> husband works on those lines. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, um. so I'm sorry, Nolan. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. But you do get to go first. The question's so. been
1: asked. I just got to go in head
0: first, I You guess. just got to go, man. Sorry, it's, Nolan. it's just like, yeah. Okay, sorry, buddy. I
2: actually agree more than what you think, so, yeah. you know.
1: Um, regulation. Uh, are we talking about it in a general sense or in the sense of the, the grid? Or
0: I think, I think... In a general sense, and I'll, I'll just throw my two cents really quick. I won't go, I won't, I can be long winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think there's some reasonable regulation, and I think there's some regulation that's totally idiotic. And it's everybody's like, going, what the f- are you doing? You know, so I'll say that. Um, so, generally right. speaking, what are your thoughts on regulation as a conservative, as a Republican, but kind of our, our grid and what we experienced this last week is a, is a great example of where maybe there should be a little bit okay
1: (laughs) right right and so uh obviously i'm a texan too zach so uh you know we can do it ourselves pull it up you know pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we'll 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 handle it um and and another you know going back to the very first question that was asked why are you a conservative i i really do think uh Although you don't see it as much in national politics, originally uh, we we were all about a smaller government. We were all about you know letting the states do their thing, and um, it it's kind of drifted away from that a little bit, um, a lot a bit. <laughs> um, but I, I still feel that way <laughs> yeah. in, in my own uh, perspective. Is I, I do want a smaller. Uh, central government, federal government, I I would like a lot of the decisions to be left up to the states. Um, And so I don't think that, uh, you know, okay, going back to the grid issue, I, I think that Texas, you know, wanting to do something on their own is a great thing and wanting to, you know, figure it out on their own is a great thing. And I applaud them for even attempting to, because I don't know what it takes. I don't know a thing about a power grid. Okay. I don't know what it takes to even run it. I do know that there are now <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh I do know that there are now uh Neither. there there's a couple of bills in the state legislature that are uh you know that, that we had four uh board members from ERCOT resign. Uh and, and so now we're making sure that these, mm-hmm. these bills are passed that, you know, these AirCOT board members have to be residents of Texas, which I have no idea why they weren't to begin with. Because <laughs> we were, they weren't experiencing these things that we were. Uh, right,
0: like that makes a little sense.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's part of that. That's exactly where I was getting. Is it's growing pains. Uh, yeah, Texas could probably do it on their own, but we don't have all of the kinks worked out yet. Uh, obviously, we had uh, you know board members that weren't even uh, making decisions that directly affected them or their families, and that's what we need if we're going to take things into our own hands and matters into our own hands. We've got to understand the problems and, and these people on this board don't understand the problems because they live in Michigan or wherever.
0: Yeah. Um, and so Shiloh, you do. Uh, and I, as I was asking that question, I, I knew this, uh, but I've completely, your husband <laughs> is, a, a is it a linesman? Is that what they're um, the He's is, a or?
2: substation transmission electrician. So he works okay. on the big subs.
0: Okay. Okay. So give me your thoughts and um, yeah, go ahead.
2: Um, So a little background first um, of why everything happened, how it happened. So we were actually about, um, I think it was like 20 seconds away from a statewide blackout at the Uh. smallest portion. Um, If you look at the ERCOT graphs, which are all public knowledge uh, information, you can look at like four in the morning and eight in the morning, and that was the highest consumption use. And um, that's also, you know, when it's the coldest. And so things are freezing up. Um, back, this all actually started with Perry, okay? So when Perry was in office and he was our governor, he actually was warned several times that our natural gas and coal plants be put indoors, like it is in Michigan, like it is in Denver, so that your natural gas pipes won't freeze if it ever does get cold enough. Well, the state said it never gets cold enough. So why are we going to build these nice, fancy facilities and spend all this money? when we don't need to so to be
0: fair i'll say this to be fair that makes sense because
2: it's never been that cold
0: before which leads me to something else i'm going to bring up in a minute but go ahead
2: (laughs) so he was warned back in early 2000s you know early 2000s and um said no we're not gonna do that but that's where this kind of gets a little wonky okay So in the last three years, the Texas legislation has passed to spend millions of dollars to EMP proof, every single one of our plants, our substations, I mean, millions of dollars for that maybe once in a lifetime thing that could happen. And that's kind of where as a progressive, I want to, you know, I want to make sure that we are set for. If we ever do have a once in a lifetime freeze, but that's why I'm, I'm glad that we are, you know, funding alternative energy because it's not just your gas and coal that went down. So uh, reports have actually come out um, that several plants like the nuclear plant, um, several turbine plants were already down for routine maintenance. I mean, they, they had their routine maintenance in February of every year after all of our big storms, you know, passed, And so they had already scheduled this, you know, months in advance to be off the grid, even though, you know, a week before that we're being warned, hey, this is going to be the coldest we've ever had. Doesn't matter. They're already in the middle of maintenance. So for, you know, people to start blaming turbines or nuclear or any of that kind of stuff, they were already off the grid like they are every year. It, It wouldn't have mattered. Then you have people like ourselves who are over on the Wasson area. There's poles down. Uh, my uncle lives on Angela out in Forsan. They were without power for almost five days. Yeah, poles are down. You know, um, yeah. breakers are are blown up. Not blown up, but yeah, they're 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 blown their fuses and that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, sorry, my husband's gonna kill me for not using the correct terminology. <laughs> um so they were sorry man
0: we're 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 dunces
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so they were without because how encore was handling it as they were handling it how the tickets were coming in and that's how they were told to handle it by ERCOT ERCOT was saying instead of prioritizing you know a breaker that could take 10 minutes to fix you're going to prioritize whatever came in so 14 poles are down you're fixing the 14 poles before you fix that breaker which is my big issue with ERCOT was how they decided to organize the entire thing. My parents live in Kentwood. They never lost power. We're over here on Alamisa. And once our one pole was fixed, that was down, we kept losing power because we were on the blackout schedule. And instead of the blackout schedule rotating, ERCOT said, "Eh, just keep shedding that same load because we already know how much is is in that load. So if you just turn off that one load, we're going to shed like 3000 megawatts or whatever. And, you know, we know that we're going to stay away from that blackout. So I think it was a big misorganization of everything. Um, People also have to understand that when the ice is forming on those lines and it starts, you know, getting those lines real heavy, those lines snap, those poles snap. When you have one pole go down, the tension is going to bring down other poles. And so that's kind of, it was a perfect storm. I mean,
0: it really was. It was a regulation
2: wouldn't really do anything. I mean, sure. it, it it would help like having our natural gas online because it didn't freeze when everything else is offline for maintenance. It would have definitely helped. And I think but that's a good
0: point, you know, to be fair to the whole situation. It was it was for us a once in a lifetime thing, which leads me to my next kind of uh, process. And we're coming up on an hour and I've just absolutely loved this. I appreciate y'all. Uh I'm not going to keep you too much longer but I do want to I want a couple more things I want to try to discuss. Is that cool with y'all Are y'all good? Yeah. 100%. Good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um so we say, you know, snow arctic blast whatever it's being called, arctic hell. I don't know. <laughs> uh that that came upon us this last week um is a once in a lifetime, once in a 100-year kind of storm. Um for me, one of the things that has pushed me to the left, aside from DT, I like to call him, uh, aside from Donald Trump, has been has been climate, and we live in a a region of our country that is um, is uh, most people's livelihoods in some way revolve around the oil field. My dad worked in the oil field. Uh, my brother does. I, I love. My father-in-law is a, is a pumper, and I, there's a lot of people that I love and um, care for deeply that their livelihood is in the oil field. So this, this is going to be – this is something that's hard to talk about here because of that. Um, and, and just – I am not against the oil field at all whatsoever, just to be clear. I, it, is a, it is a vital part of our economy. It, it's what keeps the lights on as we experienced in a lot of ways. Um, But I do think that there's something going on climate wise. I think there's truth and reality to that and some, and it's, it involves humans. What are y'all's thoughts on climate and how we, we tackle that as a, as a country, as a government? Um, You know, it's, I think this is going to be a top down thing because it's just such a, it's global. Um, Shiloh, I'll let you go first on that and, and then we can kind of chit chat about it.
2: Okay. Well, Nolan, sorry, bud. <laughs> so I, I like oil. I mean, you know, before my husband became an electrician, he was an oil. We actually left oil because of the volatility of the market. And we knew that wasn't a lifestyle for us. Um, when oil is good, it's great. But when it's down, it, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I'm just going to be honest, okay? Mainstream media has played those trigger words so much that when somebody says, you know, alternative energy, the immediate reaction is, oh, you hate oil. You know, we're never going to, you want to get rid of oil completely. No, 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 no. That, that's not what that means. Well, it's so,
0: impossible. It's not possible exactly, at this point.
2: Exactly. Um, so actually, my husband and I were actually having a conversation about that last night about how. I feel that we need to do more to like, as, as a couple, as people, you know, ourselves um, need to do more to you know, put down less of a carbon footprint. And that's why my company is, you know, with every sale, which we've only planted, planted 10 trees, but we've only been open for a month is we plant more trees, as many trees as we can. We're planting to kind of help, you know, transverse that carbon footprint that I and my husband are leaving on ourselves Um, the other thing is we need to become less oil dependent. Now that does not mean get rid of oil, but that does mean stop relying on it to always be there because you never know when it's gone. And if you wait until it's gone, what are you left with then? You know, we're going to go back to horses and buggies kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So the issue is I like having more of the electric cars. Of course, my husband being the man, he's, you know, we need gas and diesel and we need all this kind of stuff. But then you look at it, well, it takes oil to do your tire to make your tires, it takes oil to make plastic, it takes oil, you know, to make the computers that are in your car, you're still gonna have the oil. But the main source of that oil that is driving it that's using up what we have, could be, you know, with something else more electric, more methane, you know, water, something, something different. Um I was actually talking about burning the methane off at like a lawn and whatnot and how when I was in high school, you know, back in 2014, so before that, um, I did a policy debate case that we went to state with where uh, Germany was actually like turning methane into actual fuel for the cars that we use right now. You didn't need anything new on your car because let's face it, people aren't switching to the electric cars because they can't really afford them. I mean, people are barely being able to afford their houses right now. Why are they going to go out and buy a brand new car for the electric and then kind of be stuck in middle of nowhere, big spring where you have nowhere to charge it, you know, (laughs) if you're going long distances. Right. And so that's kind of where we need to find some kind of alternative. It doesn't mean get rid of oil, but we've got to start, you know, putting down our carbon footprint. We've got to actually take care of our planet because it is the only one we have, if we're, if we're being real. Yeah.
0: Nolan? Yeah, uh,
1: along those same lines, I, I do agree with Shiloh in the sense that um, uh, to become less, uh, especially in this area, right? I mean, if we became uh, um, less oil dependent, uh, we would have a, a probably a lot, more broad of an economy here. Um that way we can kind of even it out. Like I was talking about balance earlier in the political yeah, yeah, realm. Yeah, yeah. Now this would be balance in the economic realm of, yeah, okay, so oil's down, but good thing we've got all of these uh, you know, uh solar panels going up or something like that to kind of counteract the the right. the ebbs and flows there. Um I I do think that um I've got a very laissez faire uh, attitude towards the climate uh and this may be uh not so optimistic of me but i'm very much of the mindset that well when it runs out it runs out <laughs> i'm just eh, i just don't know what to do hopefully it's not in kind of my <coughs> lifetime you know or my kid's lifetime uh but yeah, when it runs sure. out it will run out uh, and we're, we're going to have to be those innovative americans that we have been in the past to, to figure it out um and I think that we're going towards that. We're, we're working toward that. Um, but, uh, and like you said, we don't need to use it all at once just cause you got it. You got to use it right. We need to probably find something else that can counteract what's going on here. But I think that um, uh, ultimately, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I do think that oil is going to be a lot, around a lot longer than we think because every day that we're pumping it out of the ground, uh, assuming that it's still, you know, what's going on underground is going on underground. What's being pumped out is being replenished, maybe not at the rate that we would like to see, but it is being hopefully kind of uh, replenished. Um, So I I think that in order to, if we wanted to match the rate of which we're, uh, it's being replenished, we need to match the rate or slow the rate down of
0: using it up. It's difficult for us especially where we are because like shallow, like you said, you know, you even bring up climate and, and I, I don't think it's because people are like, screw the climate. I love the oil field. I don't think it's that at all. <laughs> I think it's, it's a, it's fear. It's fear of like, how am I going to provide for my family because you're at the oil field when it's good, man, it is good. It provides, it changes lives, man. It, it, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it gets people in homes that they never thought they would be able to get, you know, vehicle, just all kinds of stuff that it provides. It's a it is a it is an economic driver uh, for our community, period. And and so this kind of discussion here locally is tough because, you know, it's it's hard for people not to hear you say someone that says uh, we need to do something saying, I don't care about your livelihood. And that's just, that's not the, that's not reality. It's one of those difficult, it's one of these difficult um, transitions that I think is happening. And it's a, it's awkward because there's a lot of pressure globally with what is happening as far as what science is saying, you know, the polarized caps are melting at at a rate that Anytime I hear it, I'm like, "Stop talking!" That freaks me out, you know. Uh, and, <laughs> and so you have that kind of being said, and then you live, we live where we live, and it's like, "Well, crap! What are we going to do?" You know. And so uh, the alternate, alternate fuel, the alternate um, energy is is definitely something I think could be a, a new economic driver. And like you said, Nolan, uh, I Big Spring is just too centrally located our interstates, you know, if 87 becomes an interstate boy, that's a, we're a thoroughfare east, west, north, and south. And, and we, we need to have more economic diversity. And I think there's definitely, uh, seems to be a movement towards that. Um, and, and uh, I, yeah, I, I'm glad to hear we're both, we're all, it seems like we're all kind of on the same page and it is a little daunting. Like you said, no, I don't know what to do either because I don't want, people to be hurting because you know the whole no fracking Well, okay that means a lot of no jobs for a lot of people if we say no fracking you know and, and it's it's a tough right. well, it's a tough right. place to be it's a tough place to it's, be it's
1: it's it's all about balance man it's all about balance so you can't come out of the gate and say no fracking you got to say yeah we're fracking but we also need to be working on something else Uh, you don't just need to do away with the other or do away with one and just move in the other. No, you need to keep production and you need to keep fracking the way that it is all while trying to figure out a better way to do it.
0: Well, and I, I feel like it's coming and it's like, you know, shallow, like you said, you pointed out and it's absolutely true. I think that the Teslas, they're freaking cool cars, man. They're cool. The technology is amazing. It's, it's, I think we've arrived to the point where the technology exists that that can be a reasonable replacement for um, uh, oil as far as fueling our vehicles. But in our little town here, we ain't got places to charge them. OK, so we'd have a lot of big paperweights that we could push, but don't move because they have no power. Um, and so the, the, the infrastructure still needs to come. You know, GMC is pushing this new yeah. uh, platform where they're they're really they're jumping into the, like a whole new level of electric vehicle. And I so mm-hmm. I think it's coming and I think the technology's there. And, and I think what's happening in our country, and this is difficult, this is really hard. We're just going through a big transition where, you know, back, uh, you know, still, the steel industry doesn't exist the same way it did because technology came and it just, it, it, it's not needed in the same way. It's not produced in the same way uh there's there's a lot of technology and that's just that just happens period um okay so i want to get to this next thing and i think then then I'll, i'll wrap wrap this wonderful conversation up maybe we'll do this again sometime uh in the future um we live in big spring texas in howard county or in west texas um it is a very conservative part of texas um, I, I joke, and I don't mean this in a negative sense. I think it's one of the reddest counties in, in our state. And I, I, it's full of beautiful people that I, I love and cherish. And I know for a fact I could call some people that disagree with me vehemently in politics. And if I'm like, hey, man, I need help, they'd help me. That's the way people are here. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So on a local level... Our politics. Where where do you guys, you know, is that is that where things really can change? Is that where the change happens? Uh, I think our 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 big boys seem to be playing the game. Can can things happen on a local level, or is it is is it as big of a mess as everything else is? Nolan, I'll let you go first.
1: I think things can happen on a local level. I think uh, the big boys, like you uh, referred to them as, are. uh, And girls. (laughs) They're making that a little harder. They're making that a little harder, uh, you know, to to instill change on a uh, local level. County wise, you know, as a county, you're an extension of the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, you're only getting so much in, in revenue and you're only uh, spending so much in revenue and yada, yada, yada. And, and you're giving a lot back to the state, the state's giving you some, and it's kind of like, well, if you really wanted it to be, um, you know, and you can, you can, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and just say that. Yes, you can still, uh, and still change at the local level, 110%, uh, Right now, I, I, you could definitely do so budget-wise, uh, and Shiloh could probably agree with me on this because her her main, main uh, talking point in her campaign was the budget. The budget's a mess. Uh, we're spending money on things that we probably shouldn't be. We're financing things that we should be paying cash for county-wise. Uh, you go down to the city, and it's the exact same mess. We're broke. We're be- we're flat broke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm even thinking, yeah. oh, heck, it wouldn't be a bad idea to even, uh, you know, have the council vote on something like the mayor and uh, and the council, you know, giving up their uh, salaries completely. I'm saying that in air quotes because they make two and three hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Uh. And nothing. and that, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, nothing, yeah, right. but it would be something that can be put towards uh, something else. I mean, if it's nothing to these guys, then yeah. why are they even collecting it to begin with? Let's go put it towards infrastructure or something like that. Uh, and that's just kind of the way I think. Yeah. But, that's a pothole
0: uh, a month, right? That's got to be a pothole a month right that's there. That's something.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, it's something. It adds up somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and and uh, that's yeah. just kind of the way I I think about it. Yeah, you can instill. I mean, you can make your county a heck of a lot of money in, in, if you're elected into a position or – Uh, You can see it squandered like we've kind of watched over the past few years.
0: I love it. I love it. Shallow.
2: I'm actually going to take a different spin on this one to kind of give it a good conversation. Um, So running for County, I realized very, very quickly that because you are an extension of the state, you have to really pay attention to state politics. The issue with Texas deliberately set up their Texas legislation to run 180 days out of every two years. So they're a year and a half off doing absolutely nothing that there's no change. You can't make any changes. So if the county has a problem and they're not in legislation, you've got to wait till Texas legislation meets back up for their 180 day session and hope that your representative gets something out of committee fast enough before they break out of legislation again. And so that's the big problem countywide. Now, saying that, we do have a lot of commissioners, not just in Howard County, but all over the state that I've talked to that like to use that as a crutch, love to use that as a crutch. Well, Texas legislation is just not in, we just can't really do anything, but there's so much more that you could be doing. You could find those loops. You can find those those things that haven't really been regulated just yet to be able to help your people. Um, our county actually that there's a lot going on, a lot. Um, every time our county cuts the budget to try and be fiscally responsible, the school district and the city pick those taxes back up. So the county's like, look, we're we're going to tighten our bootstraps. We're going to tighten our belt. We're going to help the taxpayers, give them a little bit extra money and not suck them dry. And then the city and the school do- the board come along and they say, ah, well, since you're going to drop it, we'll just go ahead and pick it up, which leaves the county at a disadvantage because now the county has been doing without and doing without and doing without trying to be a good steward. And then you get to the point where we have um, $53 million worth of road damage. That are can't just be patched up. It's not just potholes. I mean, fifty-three million dollars yeah. of needing hot mix, and for yeah. hot mix, it's one million dollars per every mile. So I mean, we're we're kind of at that point where we actually could get FEMA funds for our roads, but we're not quite there to be pushed over that edge to where we're just dealing with you know considerable road damage. That could cost people their lives because we're trying to be good stewards, but by being that good steward, you're also prolonging the inevitable of you're not fixing certain things. Then you have the county, I, we'll, we'll do the school. I'm not going to pick on the city right now. We'll do the school. The school just bought, you know, five buses at $1.5 million. All right. I, I get it. The buses of the parties donated were like, you know, 12, 13 years old. They, they need to be updated But we had two buses before. Why do we need five? And in the middle of a pandemic where people are already struggling, where they're already losing their jobs, those kinds of things, why couldn't we have gotten one right now and waited a little bit longer or two right now, got us out of the pandemic, made sure that we were being good stewards of the taxpayers' dollars, making sure that we weren't picking up whatever the county did drop. And say, oh, look, they dropped, you know, a million (laughs) dollars for the next fiscal year. We're going to go ahead and pick that up and we're going to buy brand new buses. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of that you can be make change here, but the people are so caught up on national politics and the divisiveness of national politics that our current politicians here locally are using that to their advantage and saying, well, our hands are tied. We just can't do anything. And then getting people that are already kind of on edge thinking, well, my voice doesn't matter nationally, so why would it matter locally? Mm -hmm. And they're pushing them over that edge to show them that they don't matter locally. And that's where you need local leadership that says, look, we can make change here. Help me. Um, There was a, um, a talk at a city council meeting not too terribly long ago about our police department and body cams and those kinds of things where we had high school kids come up and actually talk to the chief and ask them, do we have body cams? How can we help you get body cams? Like these are something that, you know, we would want and that we, you know, as a community think is necessary. And it takes those kinds of conversations kind of like we're having now, where it's a conversation to show people that you can do stuff locally, even if your voice doesn't really matter nationally.
0: How do you think? Um, and both of y'all can chime in. Um, and I'll, I'll just let you go first, Shiloh, since you just uh, finished. H- how do you think we fix that? Because I agree with you. I live in Kahoma and so I don't get to vote in Big Spring, and it bums me out because there's been a lot of elections that I've wanted to vote in. <laughs> um, but I, so I, you know, and I'm I'm gonna try to get involved here in in Kahoma. It's just a lot different because it's so small. Big Spring is our is our Economy. Okay, it's just the mm-hmm. facts. Uh, which is a, a side note. I, I think it's strange that when a city is that connected to a, another one, but they're not the same municipality, yeah. that you don't have a say in what happens in that city. I think that's strange. Anyway, but how do we fix? How do we fix people's? And I'll say apathy. Um, I can't do anything about it. So why would I even? Why do I care? Um, attitude and and how do we get how do we get our, our elected officials – I'm doing too many air quotes. Y'all, <laughs> y'all are the only ones that see, and I just outed myself. So, but how do we get our elected officials to – and I know a lot of them, and they're good people. Uh, they're really good people, a lot of them. Um, that implies some aren't good people. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, how do we get them to not be afraid of, of being attacked? How do we get them to do the things you're talking about? How do we get people to pay attention to be a part of the process? How do we fix that?
2: You first have to look at yourself. Um, Stop belittling somebody because they're on the other side and because they're loud and bold and charismatic. Um, You need more people like Nolan and myself who are young and who are going out there and saying, look, you know, he's 21, I'm 24, we're, we're making our own differences. We're making, you know, our voice has a say if our 21 and 24 year old voice has a say, why doesn't yours? Um, I was a big critic of our current mayor. I still kind of am, but growing in myself and taking us like look, you know, in the mirror by criticizing him as loudly and as much as I did, um, kind of started to silence him and started to and show people that he should be silenced because he is bold and because he is loud and, you know, he is charismatic and passionate, even if I don't agree with it. Yeah. And trying to silence that voice is kind of where the the issue lied with myself, at least is I'm showing people around me that his voice doesn't matter. And he's not really going to make a change or that change is going to be horrible or whatever, which mm-hmm. kind of instilled that you don't matter. Your, your voice doesn't matter. There's no change here. So it first starts with yourself Then you need just county leaders, you need party leaders, you need organizations like United Way, who are um, telling people and informing people, because that's the biggest other hurdle is information. Like right now, um, yesterday, we had 30 people in a week vote for districts five and six for city council. 30 people for two districts have voted for a representative. And I asked my dad who lives in one of those districts, hey, have y'all voted yet? oh no, I didn't know it was voting time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. really dad? Like you're supposed to stay on this. Um, so it's kind of information's the next one, you know, getting it out. A lot of people are just putting stuff out on Facebook or just putting stuff out on local radio. I'm going to be honest. I don't listen to local radio. I'm listening to like YouTube or, you know, Spotify or whatever, when I'm in the car. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, you know, I, I don't think, um, My husband, like, even really gets on his Facebook. He's on Twitter and those kinds of things. So getting the information out is the next thing. We've got to have more platforms being pushed out with our information, like large item pickup, Big Spring does large item pickup. Not many people take advantage of that because they don't know anything about it until recently when we got a mailer that finally told us, oh, hey, look, you've got, you know, large item pickup coming up. Okay, now you're seeing a spike in people actually using that so that... You know, they, they've got the information. They've got people who are loud, bold, charismatic, who's leading them and showing them that it, it can make a change. And once we get those two hurdles passed, you'll start seeing a lot more happen.
0: Yeah. Nolan, go ahead, man. What do you think? I, I want to echo what, what
1: Shiloh said. Uh, it starts with yourself, 100%. Uh, It becomes very, especially now, man, it becomes very easy to, uh, become, uh, to, first of all, you've got to be okay with someone critiquing you. If you're going to run for something, if you're okay with critiquing yourself, um, you've just gotta, you've gotta be able to look in that mirror. Like Shiloh said, you've gotta be able to say, is what I'm doing, is it, uh, is it for the betterment of you know, this community is, am I doing this for the right reason? Or am I doing this for it because I'm on some little bit of, of a power trip or something like that. Uh, and I think that that's where it starts 110%.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll just say this, we've been going for an hour and 22 minutes and I've just absolutely loved it. I appreciate y'all's time so much. And, and I got I want to encourage y'all and, and just say thank you because, y'all are the voices that I think need to be heard. And, and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian guy. I'm a spiritual guy. I love the Bible. Um, there's, there's scripture that says, don't let, let them look down on you because you're young and y'all's age is, is a meaningless thing. Y'all are y'all y'all lead with a lot of wisdom. And I, I say that as a, as a, uh, as a thank you and as an encouragement to keep going and to, Keep fighting against the garbage that's happening. And I I have hope for the future because of you guys. So I thank you very much. And um, we'll definitely, I'd love to do this again. uh, If y'all are interested, I I feel like today was a lot of fun. Oh, definitely. Yes, for sure. I would love to come back on. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, let me just throw this out, Nolan. I'll go to you first. If anybody wants to kind of follow you or see what you're doing, what's coming for you, I don't, you know, Twitter, social media, whatever that is. Where can they find you?
1: Uh, all of them, man, all of the above. Uh, Facebook is Nolan Dominguez. You can just type me in the search bar. I've got a real estate page and I've got a, uh, a personal page. Uh, if I know you, if I've heard of you, I'll, I'll most likely accept your friend request. It's pretty small town. So I know just about everybody, uh, Twitter, uh, yeah. Instagram, you can find me just, Hey, this is going <laughs> global though, man. This is going global. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So at, Tens, tens of people tens of people tens are going of people. to people following me watch I'm gonna get like two or three in the next thirty minutes
0: <laughs> uh did you say you have a Twitter or anything like that?
1: yeah twitter instagram uh I have them both uh uh my handle on uh Twitter is uh Dominguez nolan it's backwards and okay. then uh, okay. in, uh instagram is n m Dominguez or no no okay. it's nolan dot Dominguez I changed it
0: okay. Perfect. Perfect. And Shiloh, what about you? Where can people find you?
2: Um, So I'm the, the not so cool kid. Um, I'm just on Facebook. (laughs) I'm just on Facebook. You can find me at Shiloh Salazar. Um, If you want to follow our business page and possibly plant some trees, you can find us at Sophia's forest. Um, Nothing too, too fancy. Um, Sophia's forest is also on Instagram. Don't really post there too much because I'm not a cool kid. <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, you can find me around town. That's that's the only other place.
0: Well, I I uh I'm super appreciative for you guys coming on. You guys were great. Thank you for keeping it cool. I mean, it that's rare these days and that's sad. We all got appreci-
1: along. Isn't that cool? It, we so all got along. Isn't it possible? We it's all, so possible. We- it's not hard (laughs) it's It's not not hard guys
2: Um, I'm gonna quote some Andrew Yang here it's not about left and right it's about forward and I I truly believe in that saying
0: that's good that's good we will leave it at that it's not about left and right it's about forward right. well thank you guys and uh, this has been The Junction thanks for listening We'll, uh, we'll see you next time well that was a lot of fun two people that are on the opposite side, quote unquote, coming together, having a good conversation, finding ways that they agree and still disagree. It's okay. But man, that was encouraging. Thanks for listening. This is The Junction.